You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. another close one to the Bucks in overtime on Sunday. And that means it's time for my Buffalo Blues Week 14. What's up, Bills Mafia? We are facing another rough Monday. After the Bills lost in overtime, 33-27 to the Bucks, catalyzed by a terrible defensive pass interference call against Levi Wallace on Mike Evans, um, set up the subsequent touchdown to Perriman uh, for the game winner. But there was a point where this game was 24-3 to Tampa at one point. Uh, early in the second half, actually. So there's a lot to take away from this game. And ultimately, while I'm disappointed to see it end the way that it did, uh, I saw what I needed to see and what I wanted to see out of this Bills team. And heading into this game, uh, it was just a bad matchup for Buffalo, to be honest. Uh, And we saw a lot of that in the first half. Um, Tampa, you know, controlled the ground, played defense, really got after Josh Allen. Uh, Bills offensive line was having a lot of trouble with that early on uh, in protection and Allen was getting hit a reasonable amount um, and they just couldn't really get anything going. So kind of the game that I expected to see based on all the information that we had was the game that I saw in the first half. And if you tune in and listen to the Pick'em show on Saturday, um, that's kind of what I said was going to be the case, but at the end of the day, that's not what I wanted to see, but on that show, I said the thing that I need to see the most, more than a win in that game, is I need to see this team play well, um, and I saw that. In a lot of their losses, you know, they beat themselves, they had a lot of unforced errors, um, Just a lot of things where I'm looking at how they're playing, and it just seems like they can't get out of their own way. And, I mean, it happened kind of in the New England game. It happened in the Jacksonville game, in the Indy game, the Pittsburgh game, the Titans game, all those games. I feel like the Bills probably should have won those games, but just made some mistakes that they shouldn't have made. And I wanted to see how they were going to compete against a team like the Bucks, knowing that the Bucks are the defending champs, knowing that this game is going to be a high-profile game. 
and ultimately, you know, needing to win pretty badly, but still not like needing, needing to win. Um, I just, I needed to see what this team was made of. And I felt like throughout a lot of the season up until this point, uh, I just, I hadn't quite seen it yet. A lot of people had abandoned ship. They called the team soft, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, during this game, when it was 24-3, half the Bills fans I see on Twitter are like, I quit, uh, this team sucks, they're no good, telling Tony Romo to shut up for saying that the Bills are a good team. Like, you know, it just got to the point where these people are not Bills fans, in my opinion. Uh, if you look at this team and you're like, oh, we're not a good team, even at 7-5, and five, like, you're kidding yourself or you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, sure, they haven't played up to their potential, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad. I mean, 7-5 and five is still better than half the teams in football, so they're clearly an above-average team. And they weren't playing like a 13-3 and three title contender, that's for sure. So, okay, they're not a great team either at this point in the season. But to be like, this team is bad, I quit. And then to see a huge percentage of those same fans crawling back late in the game and being like, oh, my heart, uh, like I can't take it anymore. It's like, come on, you quit at halftime and now you're coming back like for sympathy at this point. So... You know, if you come across those people on Twitter that are going to be that kind of fan, like, just do yourself a favor and just, like, get rid of that person. It, it doesn't do, like, the real fan base any good. So, shout out to the real ones that, like, hung around in that game. You know, so many people were turning that game off at 24-3. And to an extent, you know, I understand. Like, if your mental health is in jeopardy because of your attachment to the team and to what's happening on screen and it's like negatively impacting your life then yeah you should probably turn that game off and just go do something else that's better for your mental health um me personally like i love the bills but i also you know it's not everything in my life so i'm more than happy to sit there the whole game and if they were going to get their ass kicked and that game was going to be 48 6 then I was going to watch it be 48-6. But at halftime, the real ones, like like uh, the kingpin, Pierre, he, uh, he said at halftime, like, this is going to determine, this is the season right now at the half. And I agreed with him, and a lot of people, you know, shit on him for saying that. Um, and it just seems like there's a, there's maybe like a percentage of the fan base that's traumatized by so many years of like darkness being a Bills fan that you almost want them to be bad just so you can be right about them being bad, which to me is strange. Like, I get it. The Bills were bad for a long time, but to look at the team that you have seen this season and to be like, this team sucks, they're frauds, they're pretenders, like, because they've had a rough go of it, like, for the most part, like, none of their losses are bad losses except the Jags, and the Bills played a crap game in that game, the Jags played a good game, and it happens, but other than that, like, the Steelers are a solid team, the Titans were the best team in the AFC until all the injuries caught up to them, 
the Colts are a good team and the Bucks are the defending champs. Like none of those, uh, and the Patriots are nine and four. Like the Patriots are legitimately good. So yeah, it sucks. The Bills could have won that game, but none of the Bills losses except for the Jags game were like, okay, something, something indicates that this team isn't a good team. So people were just looking for the first sign of struggle to panic and, you know, sell this team short and call them flukes. And these are people within the Bills fan base, which is, you know, it's super frustrating as someone who's been a Bills fan for over 30 years now. Uh, people are very overreactionary. And yet the Bills offensive line was getting their ass kicked in the first half of this game. And the difference between what I would say I saw in this game and what I saw in the last game is when things got, you know, questionable against the Patriots, like you saw Sean McDermott like screaming and yelling and like chewing the refs out and rightfully so. But in this game, like they knew they were going to face an uphill battle here and him and Leslie Frazier like got together on the sideline and they were just figuring it out. And clearly they went into the half and whatever happened in the locker room at halftime, you know, the team responded in the second half. And what I saw was in the second half of this game, this was the first time this season that I really saw the Bills team that I expected to see coming out of last season. Like they were super aggressive. They played at a really fast pace. They uh, played really good defense in the second half. So it's like, even though they lost and they, you know, the penalties at the end of the game definitely were just like a little bit of salt in the wound. But when you get down 24 to 3, it's really hard to overcome that. And playing a poor first half against the defending champs is not a recipe for winning. So is it the ref's fault that they lost? I mean, that's, that's a tough question because... Clearly, the referees were not interested in giving certain calls to the Bills. Like, Stephon Diggs was getting held all night long. It was very similar to the AFC title game where the Chiefs kind of knew that, like, we're going to play physical at the line of scrimmage with these receivers. We're going to hold, grab jersey, do whatever to, like, not let Diggs beat us. And if the refs don't call it, then that just sets the precedent for the rest of the game. We're going to do that the whole, day, the whole day. And Carlton Davis was, you know, grabbing Diggs on seemingly, like, every every route not every route obviously but there was three of them that were pretty egregiously missed where he's got a handful of jersey pulling digs down pulling him to the side uh pulling him from behind and th there was not a flag on any of those and ultimately josh allen attempted i think 54 passes and there wasn't a single uh, pass interference or defensive hold called against Tampa playing that kind of football. So you look, you can look at how that game was officiated and be like, yeah, the Bills were on the short end of poor officiating in that game. And they still almost came back and won it. Had they not been in a 24-3 hole at half, they might have won the game, to be honest. Um, but part of it's on them. Part of it's on the refs. Uh, so I, I don't ultimately hold the referees responsible because when you play Tom Brady like you're always playing against the refs uh it's just it sucks to see the enforcement go the other way at the end of the game uh on that Mike Williams Levi Wallace play you know Levi doesn't have his head around to the ball but he doesn't make contact with Mike Evans there 
uh, excuse me, not Mike Williams, Mike Evans. And Evans is the one who reaches out and grabs Wallace and pulls him into the contact. So he essentially just like jumps in the air and tackles him. And they call defensive pass interference because he doesn't get a he his head around. But he's not the one who's initiating contact either. So that's one of those calls where that flag should have been picked up right there or thrown as OPI. And that hurts because it's after the Bills had already given up the ball in overtime. And uh, it led to the touchdown. And, you know, it, w it wasn't the play right before the touchdown. Actually, I got that wrong earlier but it was like two plays before that uh and it just set tampa up with a huge chunk right off the bat in overtime because they were pinned pretty deep off the punt and then uh they converted on a short third and one and then they get 20 yards out of that penalty and so now they're really pretty close to a field goal range at that point or at least attempting a field goal that would have won it anyway so it just you hate to see it over and over again in brady's career like He's always been really good at throwing that ball and getting his receivers to draw pass interference calls. I'm sure if you looked at all the data, you would see that Tom Brady probably has the most pass interference calls thrown on his behalf in league history. Yes, he's been playing a long time as a, you know, so he's probably going to be the leader in most passing categories, that one included. But I guarantee he's got the highest uh, like percentage of passes that are flagged for pass interference. And Mike Williams, sorry, Mike Evans. I don't know why I keep calling him Mike Williams because he's on my fantasy team and I'm distracted. Uh, Mike Evans has a long history of offensive pass interference too. And he, is, I'm sure him and Brady have, you know, worked on this in the past. Like anytime the ball's underthrown, just go out and grab the guy and they're going to automatically flag it. And, for me, it's like it's that penalty where, oh, the guy didn't get his head around. So therefore, it's automatically pass interference like that needs to be addressed in the competition committee this offseason, because if I don't make contact with the offensive player and I don't get my head around, but the ball just hits me in the back of the head, like that's not pass interference, regardless of whether or not my head gets turned around. It's like, yeah, it's basically the face guarding rule where you can't just like block the opponent's vision if you don't get your head around. So that's a, a stupid fucking penalty, and they need to address that for the integrity of the game because having the game, you know, decided on stuff like that, where the third and two uh, for the Bills late in the game, where they're going in for what would have been the go ahead touchdown, you know, Diggs gets his the inside of his collar pulled on by uh davis and you just like i don't understand how the referee doesn't call it there like you can see his footing gets all messed up the the judge behind the end zone should be able to see that pretty clearly and it just there how is there not a set of eyes on that place it's happening i can like when you look at the like the pylon angle the referee that's right there he can't see the hold happening because Diggs is blocking Diggs's body is blocking where he'd be able to see that hold from so he maybe sees a little bit of contact right there the other side of the play the referee should be looking where the ball is going once it's thrown and he should be able to see that beyond that i thought that whole saints 
Rams playoff game with the missed pass interference call allowed for challenging of these types of plays. And I have I don't think I've seen it challenged all season. Uh, at least not in what I've been watching. So I don't know if that was taken away from coaches, but that's a play right there where you need to go to the replay and get that call correct. And the coaches need to be able to challenge that because, you know, everybody saw it. You can see it on several replay angles. So I think if the referees take a second look at that, like they're going to be forced to call pass interference there or at least defensive holding. Which, either way, it sets up first down basically at the one-yard line, and, you know, the Bills have a lot of options from there. Uh, but it wasn't to be, and they kick the field goal, and they go to overtime. And it's, you know, it's interesting in that th this is the same situation, basically, the Bills ended up in in the Titans game. And they opted to go for it and stand by their decision to be aggressive there. And they didn't get it. And then they battle their way all the way back in this game to get to a third and two. And uh, the, pe the penalty doesn't get called. So it's fourth and two. But they opt to kick the field goal there and play for overtime. So it's another one of these like weird moments of... Uh, we're super aggressive and it's working for us and then we're gonna for some reason throw an off-speed pitch and we're gonna be conservative right now um and you know i like sean mcdermott as a head coach uh you know he makes some weird decisions like that and he's the the challenge last week was not a great one wasted a timeout uh all that wasn't good so I understand the criticism of him, but for the most part, I do like McDermott as the head coach, and he's still growing into his time as a head coach as well. Like, I'm pretty sure this was his first head coaching job when he took over the Bills. It was a project, and he's taken them a long way. So uh, I want to see him obviously get better at some of these decisions or at least figure out like why this kind of stuff is happening, but besides that decision to kick the field goal there and tie the game and play for overtime and actually like try and win it okay like i get that um but i you know there's the the fourth and three at their own 45 with two minutes left in the third quarter and it's 24 10 at this point the bills finally had scored a touchdown they had gotten some momentum they're at midfield and you know when there's only two minutes left in the third quarter and you're down two touchdowns. If you if you punt there, you're basically giving Tampa at least an extra possession that they're going to attack on the board. And, you know, I think everybody wanted to see the Bills go for this, but it's a moment where it's like their aggressiveness is working and then they're faced with a moment where they maybe... If, if their defense is 100% reliable down the stretch, you know, it's only been the, the third quarter and they haven't allowed Tampa to score at that point. So the defense is playing well. So maybe that's why you decide to punt it there. But exactly what, you know, could have happened, happened. And the Bucks took, you know, six minutes off of the board once they got the ball and they kicked the field goal. And so it was 27-10 after that. Whereas... If you're going to, like, concede the field goal basically anyway, 
might as well go for it there. I don't know. Like, maybe make punting there gave the Bills a chance to tie the game. So, a lot of people aren't going to like it. I don't know how to feel about it. It felt at the time like it was the incorrect decision because, like, just time was against them. They're down two scores. It felt like they had to go for it there. And ultimately, it ended up working out. Um, so, maybe that's what led to McDermott being conservative at the end of uh the fourth quarter when they kicked the game tying field goal it's like all right our defense is playing well if we win the toss in overtime we can go down the field and win this game and you know all of those things happened the bills won the toss it was overtime and they had a chance to win the game and when that game was 24 to 3 if you would have told me that the bills are going to have a chance to win this game in overtime i would have taken it so i was happy that the game got to where it got to uh, I think the thing that I liked, you know, the most in the second half was the Bills finally understanding, uh, how they have to approach running the football because there's still this huge divide of, yeah, let's just get on board and let Josh throw the ball 50 times because it gives us our best chance to win. And I don't know, does it? The Bills have lost every game this season. They're 0-4 in games where they have called in at least 50 pass plays. And so in the first half in this game, all the people that wanted like to let Josh cook and just throw the ball every play, like you got that in the first half. They threw it 24 times and ran it three times. And what did they have to show for it? They were down 24-3, they were getting their asses kicked. So this mentality of like, yeah, just throw it all the time. Like that's what's going to work especially against a team like Tampa that's got a very good defensive front that likes to get after the quarterback and has, you know, one of the better pass rush defensive lines in the league. That's a horrible game plan. And it showed. And I still don't understand how people can have watched that and then think that throwing on every play is a good idea. It's not. The proof is in the pudding. They threw 90% of the time in the first half and we're getting absolutely worked you know josh allen was getting hit all the time offensive line was getting their ass kicked like it's just a bad recipe and there's more than enough evidence to show that at this time and then in the second half like yeah you're throwing the ball a lot because you're playing from behind you have to throw a lot but they ran the ball four times as much as they did in the first half and all of a sudden it's like they scored 24 points things are opening up you know all of their touchdowns came in the second half uh you know, the overall distribution is still very pass heavy and that's okay. The bills are a passing team. I want them to throw the football. That's the weapon that Josh Allen brings to the table is like having a ridiculous arm and you have all these like skilled, fast receivers that can get open. Like that's what the bills do. So I do want them to throw the ball, but you have to be able to run the ball at some point to keep the defense honest. And once they did that in the second half, they're able to tire Tampa's defense out a lot. And so, you know, a lot of the jokes were like, oh, you throw the ball to set up the run. And maybe that is how the Bills have to do it. And it just it reminded me finally of the Bills team that I saw last year. And it's like this wasn't a team that had a dominant run game at all. But their yards per carry were fairly high, given their lack of total yardage rushing. You know, you had Singletary and Moss both averaging over four yards per carry last season, which is good. 
And uh, I saw something today where Josh Allen is first in total yards per carry, and I think Singletary is eighth or ninth. I could be getting that wrong, but I saw the graphic earlier. And that just says that like when Singletary gets his opportunities in the right circumstances, he's doing a lot with it. But the Bills can't line up in run formations and just try and pound the run against teams with good run defense. Like, it's not going to work. That's not who they are. Their offensive line, A, isn't built that way. Their offensive scheme, B, isn't designed that way. And you see them get killed with it over and over. So it's it's almost like a throwaway play at that point. Like If you just want to like get the clock moving in the fourth quarter and you're playing with the lead, like turn around, hand it to Moss, let him get a yard and fall down, start the clock, whatever. I'm totally fine with that. However, when you need to run the ball effectively, the Bills have to spread it out. They have to be in shotgun. They have to be in pistol. They have to be in wildcat. Any of those formations where you're going to put the ball in Allen's hands and he's going to have that option. And I think he used the RPOs really well in this game because uh, ultimately, like, they, only, they still only ran the ball 12 times in the second half and threw it 34 times. So it's still not like they're running all that much. But the selection of when they used those runs was much, much better. Uh, they saw a lot more four-man fronts as they started to throw more. Uh, it, well, towards the end of the first half, like, they're throwing all the time. So, of course, they're going to see these, you know, spread formations. They're going to see less guys at the line of scrimmage. And then, realistically, it's just about handing the ball off and making maybe one guy miss or hitting the hole and just, like, making the most out of it. So they did that really really well in the second half uh you know Singletary didn't end up with like a monster game in this but he played well he had some good uh receptions out of the backfield here he finished with six catches for 37 yards and four carries for 52 yards so he's averaging what what is that like 12 and a half 15 yards a carry something like that uh and Allen ran for 109 on the day and a touchdown uh, and he still led the team in carries with 12, and a lot of those were on scrambles, and a lot of those were designed runs. There was a lot more designed runs, so clearly they understood that that was missing from the game plan last week. And the first touchdown of the game was a Josh Allen touchdown run, and something I was trying to explain to somebody else online in this is that it's not a coincidence that the Bills' red zone offense has tapered off this season as Josh Allen's rushing touchdowns have also been less this season. It's like in the red zone is where he was especially dangerous last year because you can cover everybody and then he'll just take it in for the touchdown. And since that's kind of gone away, it's been a lot harder for the Bills to consistently score in the red zone. So it's not a surprise to me that he scored the first one and then the rest of their touchdowns came after that because then all of a sudden the threat of him running the football into the end zone is very real uh so i finally saw you know the bills team that i saw last season again um and it's hard to say that like i'm happy with this loss because it hurt to see it go down the way it did but I'm happy with how the team fought in the second half uh you know Josh Allen showed a ton of heart a ton of leadership I think it was the kind of game that's going to galvanize this team to to be in it to win it the rest of the way not that they weren't playing to win before but 
like there's nothing left to lose now and that's what i wanted to see i was like look you're almost literally playing with nothing to lose please just go out there and play like that and they did and then it was some of those conservative decisions that maybe ended up being the difference in the game but regardless of that they played like a team they played hard they played with tremendous amount of heart um there's still some like x's and o's stuff to clean up for them obviously but it was the first loss this season where I felt that they just, you know, didn't really beat themselves. They were getting beat by a better team early in the game because their game plan sucked and the Bucks were exposing it. And then in the second half, they made a lot of adjustments. They came back, they played really well, and ultimately, like, some untimely flags and some decision-making maybe you know change the outcome of the game there but I didn't look at that as like a game like oh the Bills beat themselves in this game and it just happened again so I wanted to see them play well I wanted to see them play hard I wanted to see what they were made of and I think I saw all those things and moving forward I'm a lot more confident uh now than I was before uh I always believed that this team had the kind of potential that we saw in the second half of this game and you know they they have, I think, Carolina, the Jets, and some other team with a losing record down the stretch, and then that one game against the Patriots. But that Bills team that I saw in the second half against Tampa, that team beats the Patriots. So if they can play this way the rest of the season, they should be able to go on a nice little run here and close it out uh, and get to 11-6. and six. That should be good enough to get them in, and if they're playing hot at the end of the season and they get in the playoffs, that's all that really matters. Yeah, home field would have been nice and everything, but I think the Bills are maybe better served as being underdogs. Uh, the, the target's kind of off their backs at that point, and they get to play a little bit more free, and I think that is just better for a young team that has something to prove to everybody else rather than being you know, the front runner that has to defend expectations in every game and anything that falls short of them dominating a team is like, you know, everybody's up in arms saying they suck because they they lost a close game to a good team. So anyway, I guess that's going to do it. Uh, there's not too much. I'm not going like, to dig into too much detail here, but I like what I saw. I have confidence, have faith. Thanks for listening, and go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please help me out by liking, subscribing, sharing, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me at info at And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills.